All right, what's going on, everybody? It's Josh McCabe here, host of Overflow Beyond the Music, the podcast. Thanks so much for joining in to this sort of segue episode from season three to season four. And so glad to have you with us. It's definitely been an interesting week for myself and for a lot of us who are in this this music industry uh, amidst this coronavirus outbreak or pandemic or, or whatever we want to call it. I'm, you know, to be honest, I'm not a medical person. I'm not fully up on it. I'm just kind of, you know, adhering to, to what I'm being asked to do and sort of adhering to the curveballs being thrown at a lot of us. And, and, you know, I don't understand fully and even probably at the moment I didn't fully understand, but I'm starting to understand a little bit more about just how large this thing is and and some of the needs to to really help slow down the the process and the growth of it so here i am sitting at home uh quote unquote well i wouldn't say i'm quarantined um but you know everything's kind of canceled for the next six to eight weeks as you're hearing this and uh, i just actually got back i was going out on a tour with an artist named dan bremness who we've had on this tour and on this tour on this podcast before and um we had out. We went out of town for I think what was supposed to be about fourteen dates, and I think we did we did two, <laughs> and then came back because everything else canceled. So now we're kind of not really sure what to do with our time and our week. And you know, to be honest with you, it's particularly hard for myself and an artist like Dan, who you know, when we tour and travel and we go visit and we go minister and and sing our music and and play at churches and do events. That's our that's our main source of income. That's where we. Uh, get money for you know a house or car payments or food on the table, and so when all of a sudden that's all that's just canceled, it it definitely throws some curveballs uh, for a lot of us. So I'm gonna ask, would you guys just keep us in prayer, keep us in your thoughts, and and right now is better time. There's no better time than right now to hop online and buy merch off some of your favorite artist stores. Uh, I'll post uh, the store that I have right now for my band Caves. That uh, we'll be releasing um, some new music and some new merch soon um, as well. Just go go support artists and find ways you can help them through this time. We we don't live off salaries, so when we are not touring and traveling, we are not making money, and that you know causes issues for bills and all sorts of stuff. It's it's not a sob story. It's not meant to be that way. Um, I don't care whether you're an artist, a place of fifty people a night, or five or ten thousand people a night. You, you build your life on budgets, and when the income source for the budget is gone, uh, it takes a little bit of time to compensate for that. So, yeah, just keep us in prayer, and um, of course, I'm going to be keeping everybody else in prayer, and and uh, let me know how you are, are coping with this if you can. You can send us a message on Instagram, just at OverflowBTM. You can find us on Facebook, at OverflowBTM, Twitter as well. You can message us and send us uh, a quick note and just let me know what's going on. would love to know how I can pray for you and keep you in my prayers, and, uh, and we will go from there. Yeah, well, this episode's a bit of a unique one, and it's kind of why we're smudging it in between season three and season four. I don't want to call it special. I didn't really know what to call it. And it was recorded back in September or October of 2019 with Callie of Bethel Music. And it was around the release of her new album. We'll talk a lot about that on on this episode. But as it w- we were gearing up to release it, uh, I think we're going to be releasing it in late December. 
we uh, got news that her two-year-old daughter, Olive, uh, had passed away. And she passed away on December the 14th. Her and her husband, uh, Callie and her husband, were away and and came back to find out that their two-year-old had had passed away. And what followed after that, it it made a lot of news, made a lot of headlines. A lot of people were talking about it. It made for a lot of conversation. But they began believing and praying and gathering uh, that Olive would be resurrected and raised from the dead and that this, this would not be a final thing, that this would not be Olive's uh, last moments on this side of heaven, but that, you know, they believed and, and I'm convicted to believe the same that, that people sometimes die before their time. And, uh, they wanted to petition the Lord that he would bring her back. And it definitely caused a stir in, in a lot of circles as, and I don't care what side of theology you're on on this. I, I understand. I have two ch- children of my own and I cannot imagine how I'd be feeling in that circumstance. And and to be honest, I would believe for a miracle as well. I have prayed for miracles. I have been in the hospital, and you know, when my wife and I were pregnant with our second child, there was some complications early on. And um, you know, I've never I prayed like I never prayed before for miracles. And I believe God is a miracle working God. I believe He's doing miracles today. I've seen them with my own eyes. I am convicted to believe that the Lord wants to work miracles today, just like we saw in the Bible, and I and I will not step back from that. So in, in the midst of this pain, uh, Callie and her husband and, and many leaders from their church uh, gathered on their own accord and believed and worshiped and wanted to see her raised from the dead, and there were a lot of, a lot of misconceptions that came with that. A lot of people were, were you know, wondering if they were doing some weird ritual around this, this child who uh, was now deceased, and, and that's not the case. Um, and, and so I think, I think for me, I, I found it very curious because it's, it's a time when you, you have to put what you believe in your heart and, and what you're convicted to believe about scripture. And it comes to life. It comes to real life. It comes up on your door. It comes into your everyday. It comes into people you do life with in your community with. And you have to say, do I really believe the things that I say I believe? Because if I believe them, I would be believing for this thing to happen. And so what, what ended up happening is Callie and her husband, Andrew, posted this on Instagram, and it says this. It says, we are asking for prayer. We believe in a Jesus who died and cons- uh, conclusively defeated every grave, holding the keys to resurrection power. We need it for our little Olive Elaine, who stopped breathing yesterday and has been pronounced dead by the doctors. We are asking for bold, unified prayers from the global church to stand with us in belief that he will raise his little girl back to life. Her time here is not done, and it is our time to believe boldly and with confidence what King Jesus paid for. It is time for her to come to life. And as a believer, I read that and go, I, I can't argue. I can't argue with with the belief that, that Jesus would want to do a miracle. And so and this began reaching far and wide, and I thought their pastor at the church, Bill Johnson, really had a, a great response in in how he addressed why they were believing for resurrection together. He says, resurrection is at the heart of Jesus' behavior, but it is also in his command to those who follow him. Uh, and he's referencing Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, where Jesus sends out the 12 apostles and tells them, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, and freely you give. And And I have to back this up because that's the command he gives to the disciples in Matthew 10. But then in Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, he says, uh, in verse 19, it says, 
teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Everything I've commanded you. What, and what did he command the disciples to do? Go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse those, and drive out demons. That's exactly what Jesus was commissioning the disciples to do in Matthew 10. And it's what he uh, commissioned the disciples to do in verse uh, 19 of Matthew 28. And it's what we're commissioned to do as believers for those who have faith in Jesus and profess that Jesus Christ raised from the dead. That is his command for us. And, uh, you know... For me, I go, I've never seen anyone raised from the dead. So that that begins to affect my worldview. But I again, I love how Bill Johnson responds to it. He says, just because it is not common does not mean it's not normal. Just because resurrection from the dead is not common does not mean it's not normal. And I think it's just so well said because there are a lot of things that we don't physically see happen, but does not mean that it's not in Jesus' heart or Jesus's. Uh, you know, wheelhouse of ability to do miracles on this earth. I, I can tell you a million miracles I've seen God do uh, in my life financially. I can tell you of somebody I've seen miraculously healed of cancer. And, you know, I'm not here on this podcast, and I've never been here on this podcast to spark theological debate. That's not what this is about. I'm not telling you what to believe. I'm telling you what I believe. We can disagree on that. Um, as believers, I believe as long as we can make sure that we are in fact sure Jesus Christ raised from, was raised from the dead and that he was uh, the son of God. I think we can agree to disagree on a lot of different things. But I wanted to give some context for, for why I decided to still air this interview and why you know I, I felt like now was a time I kind of wanted to give some thoughts on it because at the time I'm not here to have a salacious podcast where I'm going to give you my hot take on, on what's happening in the world while others are grieving the loss of a child. And many of you do know that the child was not raised. It did not happen. I don't understand why miracles happen sometimes and why sometimes they don't. Uh, But that's a question I'm going to ask the Lord when I see him face to face one day. But what I think is really important is how we respond. And what was so interesting as I was editing this podcast, even not sure if I'd still release it, I see Callie talk about in this podcast how she and her church respond to adversity and respond to things that they don't understand happening and stand in belief that God is still good all the time. And she talks about it, and it's it's a little scary that just a few months before she would have to put those things into practice, she preached it. And I saw her practicing in that season what she preached on this podcast. So let's head in to my interview with Callie of Bethel Music. <laughs> ecosystem you are the air i'm breathing in the endless way all right welcome everybody welcome back to the podcast and my guest today i'm really excited to have her on uh because i i just love the way she leads worship i love her songs i love her music and i love her church and uh, i've got callie on the line with me right now how are you doing callie I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing. I'm doing good. And um, I've got to tell you, I was. I mean, I wouldn't say frustrated. Frustrated is the wrong word. But um, <laughs> Callie Haligenthal. Did I get that right? Haligenthal. Well, Haligenthal. Oh, I've been practicing no, all day. No, the thing is, I've been practicing for ten years, and I'm like maybe getting close myself. So no pressure. Well, <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, is that I, I did some practice on it, and then, and now you're just Callie. So. There we go. I know. I know. <laughs> well, thanks for putting the time in. I thought maybe it would just be easier for everybody if we just, 
tried. And the first name is kind of weird, too. I'm not making it easy for anybody, you know? No, it's totally fine. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, we, we, we appreciate uh, all names, I guess. I don't know where I'm going <laughs> with that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, on that note, have you, have you had some moments where you've been leading worship at at a conference and people are just like, and you know, we're so blessed to have Callie, uh, like where there's kind of, yeah, Oh the yeah. Last name. Oh yeah. I've heard it all. I've heard it. There was once I got called up at an airport gate and they're like, um, Callie held gentle. <laughs> like, yes. Well, mm, so close. I've heard them all. Um, and if I, if anyone attempts that for me is just like, that deserves a round of applause and a quick response from me. So, um, yeah, I'm so good. very flexible on it. Well, I mean, it's it's funny because, I mean, my last name is McCabe, and I get McCabby. And I'm like, really? really? How, how is it? How are you getting McCabby out of that? <laughs> you can butcher any name. That's what I think. I know. Speaking of last names, um, you probably would know my sister, Stephanie McCabe. Um, <gasps> no way. That is my she sister. She is wonderful. Yeah, okay. That, that's my flesh yeah. and blood. So. No way. She's the best. She, yeah. is, she is extraordinary. Yeah. We got to see her um, a couple weeks ago when, when you guys were in Nashville at the Opry. Um, yes. And so we got to have a quick little visit, and now um, you know we're from uh, we're from Canada, and now two or three of us yes, live in the right. states. So it's a little complicated. So special, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, nothing like nothing like an event to bring people together. You know, absolutely, absolutely. We had a we had a good time at at That's that night. Amazing. Uh, well, yes. I mean, I wanted to know just you you kind of get to hop in and out of some of these these Bethel music tours and these nights and. Um, what I noticed when I was there was that it was not like anything else I've experienced in um, this quote-unquote CCM or Christian music or whatever world, you, you know, whatever title you want to put mm-hmm. on it. Um, yeah. There was something really special about the night. And, and just tell me a little bit about the heart of, uh, of these tours. Yeah, um, I think the idea is, you know, we definitely have a value for for touring and exporting um in a lot of means what's happening in in our church at our church home um this last tour was our victory tour based off of the you know the victory album and so there was a heavy emphasis on you know seeing breakthrough and knowing that he is the god of breakthrough and when he comes he comes with signs wonders miracles and just watching you know, watching him encounter people with yeah. power these nights, it was really, it was, it was really special. So, um, yeah. And, and I think, I think the, the idea too behind travel, what's always moving to me when I get to jump on is the awareness of, you know, as we drive overnight, show up in a new city. And for me, um, for me, it's always the recognition. We are not starting anything in these new cities. There is, there are rich wells, there's investment, um, in in yeah. prayers and and all these efforts but more than anything these places god has a god has a heart and a vision for what these cities are and and what he calls them and what they're meant to be and we just get to be partakers of that we get just you know we we can come in and enjoy and press in on those things but we're not starting anything we're not creating anything we come alongside what what god has already begun and how he's already moving there and that's just the biggest honor it's the biggest honor to be a part well, of well you know it was great too because you got to share your your new your new song and um and yeah uh, i just thought it was it was great that you got a chance to to share that and share the heart of it and you know uh, one of the things that i really really 
intrigued me about you was I, I heard you on Seth Mosley's podcast probably about two years ago. Yeah. And yeah. you talked a little bit about songwriting and just some of the feedback you were receiving as you were you know, part of writing Spirit Move. And uh, I wonder if you can maybe talk about some of that journey, writing, writing then, and then what writing for Fault Lines Volume 1 and 2 looked like for you and sort of the, the growth pattern or the, the growth journey that you've been on. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I Songwriting is one of those topics. I, I think a lot of people are maybe born with like, I'm going to, I'm going to write songs. Yeah. Um, and they kind of, they, they start out really early and just have, have songs kind of brimming is my impression. I don't feel like I've necessarily <laughs> been one of those. Um, it's been more of a, uh, a graceful at times at times not kicking and screaming along the way yeah, yeah. of like, you know, just, I, I, primarily feeling the Lord ask me to do it and then being surrounded by incredible people who do so well at it and then just, you know, staying in the game and not letting insecurity um, at times or, uh, you know, any number of things that come up when we try new things, you know, not let those take over. And so yeah. for me, you know, along the way, it, it has been really interesting to learn to write um, alongside heroes at this scale, um, it's it's an amazing honor, and it's really been a journey for me. Um, you know, I think I think largely before Fault Lines, I was in the world of writing for you know corporate worship music, which is right. such an honor, like to give language and melody to the church, to the you know to the world, to sing to God, to sing about God, like that is such. An incredible honor. Of course, yeah. Um, it also is a very nuanced way of writing, um, where your average person could sing, um, could sing the melodies, and yeah. the, the concepts are fresh, but they're not too complex. Um, they're they're vertical and they're inspiring of worship. Um, they're personal, but not too personal. You know, there's <laughs> there's right, so right. many there's so many things to consider as you know you write corporately and. Um, and I've, I think I have definitely started to settle more into like, oh, this is my unique voice yeah, in yeah. that in that world. Fault lines for me was was really um, a different kind of stretching because it wasn't primarily corporate worship music. I felt melodically like I could explore some things that I I maybe wouldn't. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Just if you're if you're thinking about leading a, a large congregation of people, uh, the content of it could be much more personal um, and kind of needed to be. I was gonna say, did it feel a little less, maybe a little pressure off? Because you know, writing songs for for your church, for you, for Sunday morning is is one thing, and then writing songs that, that you know are going to carry beyond your walls across the world. Like, did, did it feel like when you were writing for this record, you got to just kind of let go of of everything and just just be yourself a bit more yeah i i definitely felt even i mean it was amazing bethel music i i remember um i remember some of them coming in and listening to what i had so far and just being like hey just push it artistically just yeah. find find creatively what you want to say and that to me was such amazing license of like well, really think outside of the box, like really go for it. And I think I just hadn't really written that way. I, I kind of have only done the corporate worship approach. And so yeah. for me, it was like really fun to be able and freeing to be able to explore like, 
a lot of these songs, I, I opened up my journal um, and paged through the last year right. and wrote song. You know, I find in front of me, so now about all these fault lines, are they yours or are they mine? Wow. And I'm like, well, that's a concept. I wouldn't necessarily tackle for like a a corporate worship song, but I can write about that. You mm-hmm, know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and so it really was freeing. Um, it, and it felt like, Rather than creating new things inside of me, it almost just gave allowance to the things that have been there um, that I didn't know were there. And that was a really beautiful, pretty healing process for me. So I I noticed that's always one of the things I love to do is just look through album credits and see what's on there. Did you do some work with Jeff Schneeweiss on this album? I did. Yep, yep. So Jeff Jeff produced volume one. Yeah. um, And he and I worked on Oasis a bit together in terms of writing, but he's a genius. He's amazing. He is. And, and for listeners who don't know, Jeff had a band called Number One Gun, which was like yes. one of my favorite bands. I was like an emo, an emo oh, kid yeah. growing up. And yes. we, we had Paul and Hannah on the podcast and yes. uh, we got into a big, uh, you know, kind of emo playlist uh, oh, throwback. Yeah. It was good times. Um, but Yeah, they're your guys for that. That's oh, it was so fun. Um, but Jeff is is so good at bringing new sounds out of people don't you think yes oh i it was like shocking to hear what he comes up with i mean he is unlike anyone i've ever met he's he's amazing and so you went from working with 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 jeff on the first volume to jason ingram on the second volume which um you know jason is is known for doing a lot of uh i mean a lot of different things but but yeah definitely uh would you'd see his name more around corporate worship, more around sort of kind of that that sound? What was the the contrast like as far as you know coming out with your first solo project and and your yeah. voice kind of stepping out uh, in its own style? What were, what were the contrasts like there? Yeah, it was um it was really amazing to watch. I mean, I have so much regard, so much respect. Like both of them, I just I. I get like, <laughs> like how in the world am I working with both of you? Yeah. And, and both very different takes and perspectives, very true to who they are. And I think that that was so inspiring in and of itself. They are, they sound like they are and, and obviously have so much, um, have, have so much breadth to, to what they create. But, um, it was, it was so sweet to see these songs in the hands of, of different people. Um, so yeah, Jason, I mean, I just can't say enough. He he did a lot of uh, co-writing with me too on on the project and watching watching the expertise. The the he's just a craftsman. I mean, he, his experience um, and the safety he creates in songwriting. Some of the really really uh, pretty vulnerable moments that I was bringing to the table, things that I was writing to watch how carefully he put these melodies to them that are so lulling. They're so cinematic and beautiful. And it felt like the treatment those songs needed. Um, And and to watch, you know, to watch Jeff come with, with this kind of wildness to him, was so beautiful on the songs that, that he took and ran with. And so for me, you know, it, it really is like we hit these circumstances in our life where it's not one note. It's not one experience. It's not one emotion. It really yeah. is kind of a variety of things we're feeling all at once, especially when there are situations like this album was birthed out of that was largely kind of like things out of my control happening and finding 
finding the Lord in them and finding finding myself and, and resolve and comfort and peace in the midst of pain and angst and questions, it really, it, it demanded comfort just like it demanded um, elation. It right. demanded, you know, it's, it's like, it's two sides of the same coin. And it was so special to have two outstanding, outstanding genius producers take take their side and and make it so beautiful and so unique i i just am in awe of both of them well i mean the album is is beautiful and um you know i i put it on today uh when my wife and i were heading downtown nashville with our kids just to to go do some sightseeing with with uh, her parents are in town and i put it on the car for her and uh, i said hey i got you know i got callie coming on the podcast today and my wife was like oh i love callie oh and, and then and then uh, I said, oh, "This is her new song," and she goes, this, "This, what?" And we're listening to Away. She's like, "This is not what I expected." Yeah, yeah. And and I, I guess maybe for people who who don't have a window in your whole life, um, maybe we didn't expect it. But is it? Are there sounds and feelings in there and vibes in there that? sort of resonate with what you listen to and what you like and, and what historically has resonated musically in your heart. Yeah, you know, I it was interesting coming into this album and finding references, things that move me, because it really is kind of, I mean, it's kind of all over the place. The The things that I enjoy listening to. But that's okay, that's good. Yeah, largely it's like, and I, I think I just couldn't, narrowing it down even that i'm like it just to me it feels like what is the song asking for you know and so i am i I definitely like more of the experimental end of things i'm really moved by that i i think if you can have an inspiring concept and find a way to to frame it musically like i'm so moved by that and so yeah and even on a leading worship level there are times where i'll settle really deep into something and then almost like almost instantaneously I'm, I'm ready to flip and just like explode, you know, right, like, right. and I, and I think it kind of, it kind of captures some of those different levels that I think in, you know, people who know me more personally, um, it personality wise, it feels like both feel very true and feel important to the expression of who I am. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know, I don't think it's ever been done. They were telling me at the label, I don't think it's ever been done that there's been, you know, two EPs released on the same day with different sounds. Yeah. Um, and, but, but I, I feel like it captures the storyline in a way that, um, is compelling to me. Yes. Sonically, but, but also just like storyline wise, I'm, I'm a, I hear lyric probably before I hear, sound um i'm drawn to the story that's just always kind of how i think and so um even just storyline wise i i i love the angle that it took you know yeah i mean i want to ask you too um what i mean it's kind of a deep question but (laughs) uh we we go deep on this podcast i love it what what's something that god's been teaching you in this journey of i mean just just having the opportunity in front of you with, with Bethel music, but being part of the church and the ministry and then stepping into this, like what is something that life has taught you in the past year that you can say, I I didn't think that feel that know that, or hadn't discovered that a year ago. Yeah. It's a great question. 
Um, you know, these albums are definitely written out of a lot of uh, discovery, a lot of times, you know, I think sometimes when we walk away with the most in our life is out of things that um, maybe when you're in it, you're like, man, I would love to have a break from this process or this is this is tough, tough to walk through. And I, I think the last year has, has been that the, the story of this album is not kind of bright and shiny. It's uh, it's largely out of the, the fires coming through Reading. Um, yeah where we live about a year and a half ago. Were, were you guys this- personally affected by that? Cause I know, I know just talking to my sister, there were several people from, from the team that, that had to evacuate. Yeah, we were evacuated for a month. We had 65 homes in our neighborhood that are, that are gone wow. um, in the process of being rebuilt now. So it did the, the fire came in and landed, um, across a river, you know, over by where we are. And then obviously it's just spread very rapidly. Um, yeah. So it really did it. It, uh, it kind of catalyzed a lot of questions and processes in my life where I had kind of glossed over them. I was uncomfortable with ashes in my own life. Um, and I would mm. rather just kind of rush into the resolve and to fix it and be better. Yeah. Um, but there was no rushing out of this. It was, you know, it was, uh, out, of con- it was out of your control. Definitely a process. Yeah, out of your control. And it and it really did elicit a lot of other times in my life where, like, man, I don't think I probably even really looked at that very thoroughly. I didn't bring that to the Lord. I I didn't maybe even think He wanted to see the mess. I, I right. think I didn't want to look at it, and I assumed He didn't want to look at it. Um, and I really found Jesus leading me leading me almost shepherding me through through the valley and like me recognizing he's not scared of this i don't know why i'm scared of looking at this stuff i find him moving in closer to me where i think he's going to move further away i find him not afraid of my questions um i find him unashamed of the doubts that i can feel ashamed about and i find his presence is the answer i was looking for um and that he's not in a rush to move past, but he he will bring beauty out of it. Some of the beauty is being willing to find him in it and not rushing past, you know. And and so it really, I, I think the last year, that is a big lesson that I've learned is Jesus, um, I project onto him all the sorts of stuff that I can feel about like, oh, if it's messy, if it's dirty, then it's it's bad and I should just move past it yeah. and, you know, and I... He's, he doesn't actually feel that way. Um, he's Emmanuel, God with us in the midst of all of it, um, unashamed there as a first responder, ready when all there is is rubble right. to meet us, yeah. to find us there. Um, so that was very, very shaping for me in um, my relationship with the Lord and how I view things that are outside of my control, finding him as comforter, finding him as Emmanuel and friend. Um when when I wasn't at my best, when I was kind of confronted by panic and fear and survivor's guilt and, you know, all that kind of stuff, I found Jesus there with me, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so powerful, too, how, um, I mean, I look at just your community, too, and some of the things that you guys uh, have gone through, you know, Joel Taylor with uh, yeah. the health. and then, Jackson, yep. Um, and then, um, was it a couple years ago that... that uh, Pastor Bill had was dealing with some stuff, or yeah, um, yeah, it just, yeah, and it just seems like um, not seems like there's there's uh, always <laughs> trials, but it it definitely feels like uh, you 
you guys as a community have learned how to turn to the Lord uh, and also how to build some beauty out of the ashes and some testimonies that will carry around the world of, of the perseverance, both of yourself and of your church, because I, I know yes. how important church family is to you. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's a message that Pastor Bill has given that I, I know has shaped so many of us. Um, he talks about how, and I'm going to, that's going to be a really butchered paraphrase because he's it's, so it's eloquent. Like, it's like me when I'm trying to quote scripture. I had one yeah. guy on the podcast <laughs> who was quoting scripture and then quoted it completely wrong. I'm like, oh, amen, amen. And it was yeah, like, totally, totally, totally. Wrong. <laughs> no, yeah. So I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to do that right now to that's Pastor Johnson. But he, uh, he talks about how, you know, when when we're confronted with these questions, when when life um, takes an unexpected turn, when there's pain, when there's grief, um, our staying close, our, our bringing ourselves to Jesus, our choosing to worship through it brings a fragrant offering that we can only ever give in this time. It's not one that we'll give um, when we're with him in his presence on, you know, in heaven because um, there's no faith needed then. We'll see, we'll see plainly, we'll see clearly. Now we have the gift of faith, the gift of choosing to stay close, the gift of our worship when we don't understand, but the trusting who he is, the, the learning to live unoffended um, and to stay close, that that is an offering that we can give him unique to this time that we'll, we'll never be able to give in another moment. And, it, and it's been so inspiring for our community. It, it dignifies the moment and it makes it, it turns it from um, only grief to grief that becomes a worthy offering before the Lord. And um, I mean, I, the number of times I've heard that quoted again, I'm misquoting it, but, but the concept yeah. is there. Um, it's, it's a bedrock for how, for how we view the world. And it just feels like a revelation from, from him that shaped how, how we perceive things. I'm so grateful to be in a community where there's that kind of insight, that kind of perspective when, when things are going great and when they're not, um, that that is a worthy fragrant offering before Jesus. Yeah, it's so it's so powerful. It's so good, and, and I mean, I can. I was just re- reading the lyrics before we came on. I jotted it down, and we talked a little bit about the fires. But I love the lyrics of uh, in the middle of it, where it says, "Where are you when the wildfire is taking ground?" And yeah. being able to go and and realize that God is strong enough to handle our our questions and our doubt and our frustration. Um, in fact, actually, I feel like when we go to him, even say like, where are you in this? Where are you in this? That's actually like, I feel like it's actually a form of worship to realize he's the only one worthy of our petition and the only one who can provide understanding to what's going on, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Hey, we're so grateful for, um, this record, Fault Lines Volume 1 and 2. Um, mm. We played Oasis coming into this conversation, and uh, uh. coming out of it, I would love to play uh, your your song, your favorite song. Give me, oh. I know it's hard to choose one, but I'm saying, like, just, just give, me, give me one and tell me why it's something you feel like people need to hear. You know, I can't choose a favorite, but the, I did have one come to mind right away, so I'm just going to honor the first thought. Yeah. Um, I am going to choose Targeted. Um, it was one, first of all, it's just so, what, what Jeff did is just so fun on it. Um, but it was, it's the belief of like, you know what, no matter what we face and however, even, even aggressive, it feels like life can get at times. We have a father who's not passive. He is, um, 
He is forward in his pursuit. He's forward in his goodness and his mercy. They are chasing us down faster than anything else could. Um, We are protected. We're covered and we're held by the most capable, most loving hands. And we can't we, we can't escape that grasp. We are completely taken care of. So I think that's the message I want to leave people with. All right, I'm into it. Well, hey, Callie, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, Thanks, Josh. I appreciate you coming on. And hey, make sure you give Callie a follow on Instagram as well. Callie, what's your Instagram handle? We'll have it in the show notes, but you tell us. Yeah, it's. I'm going to spell it because my name is hard, as we've discussed. Yes. Um, (laughs) K-A-L-L-E-Y-H-E-I-L-I, Callie Hiley. Perfect. We will have the link. We'll have the link in the profile. Make sure you go follow her. And this is the song targeted here on Overflow Beyond the Music. Like You're pointed at me. You're coming from me. I am targeted by your faithfulness. Your goodness is chasing me. Well, there you have it. There's my conversation with Callie of Bethel Music. And um, again, when you hear that conversation in the context of everything she's been through in the last few months, it takes on a whole different life. It it becomes really real, really quick. So I want to encourage you, make sure you go check out her album. Make sure you, you get a copy of it, pay for it, download it, support her ministry. Give her a follow on Instagram. We'll have that in the show notes below. But again, keep praying for all of your favorite artists who are affected by this this outbreak. I mean, there's a lot of people affected. I, I can't imagine how families are feeling uh, with elderly people in their family who, who have been diagnosed as having this virus. So we're going to be praying for them as well, praying that this thing slows down. And you know what? Actually, in spite of everything I've already said in this podcast, let's pray for a miracle. This virus would just be wiped out miraculously and that we would see people getting to go back to living their best life. My name is Josh McCabe. This is Overflow Beyond the Music. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this week. We'll see you again.